bless you. Stay faithful. Keep praying. Read the word of the Lord. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Treat your neighbor as yourself. First two commandments is love God, and the second one is love your brother. Amen. Love your neighbor. And when we do those two things, the rest of them are going to fall in line. Praise God. I will not be long this evening. I trust that God would give us direction here. We are going into a brand new series. It's called Viral. Not virus. Viral. Viral. I'm glad it's not virus. We've had that series for a while now. But uh, we are going to talk to you from the word of the Lord. Let me give you a little quick introduction to what's going to be happening here over the next four Wednesdays, concluding this Wednesday. Um, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel spread quickly, quickly. It went from a handful of believers to millions of people across this globe. And the impact of the early church, the early believers' faith, it crossed continents. It seemed like it was like hot coals and dry timber. Everywhere those Christians were persecuted and they sent them somewhere else, well, a revival sprung up. It was, it was persistent through persecution that from the world uh, that, uh, that, that did not acknowledge God at that point in time and wanted nothing of what was happening to those disciples and decided to persecute them, they caused great revival. I believe God shines best in adversity, don't you? And uh, in, that, in that godless culture came a great first century revival, a move of God. Their faith, their faith reached the rich and the poor, the slave and the free, the Jew and the Greek, and it reached people from all regions and all philosophies and all races, all religious backgrounds. It reached into their lives in every, in every nook and cranny of the world at that time. And through the empowering of the Holy Ghost, the early church turned its world upside down. Literally, in Thessalonica, they said, these are they, this is a scripture, these are they which turned the world upside down. So they, they literally turned their world upside down with apostolic Holy Ghost revival. I can't think of anything we need anymore than apostolic revival in the 21st century church. Amen? I believe that's the will of God. So the next four weeks we're going to be studying. Tonight we're going to talk about the empowering uh, of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit empowered them. And then next Wednesday night we'll talk about the Christ-centered church. The, the, the reason they had what they had was it was not about them, it was about him. We're going to be talking about the mission-minded church, and we're going to be talking about the counter 
cultural church. So these are the things that you can look forward to in this series called Viral. We're, we're just trying to put some things together from the book of Acts that will bring to you what they did and what we need to do and what we ought to do. I don't know about you. I can't answer for anybody here tonight or anybody watching tonight, but I can tell you that I am glad that I am a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, Jesus' name, apostolic preacher. Amen. I wouldn't be anything else. This is what God called me to do. Let me begin in Acts chapter 1 because this is a very powerful scripture. You've heard it many times. Verse 8, it said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus told them what was about to happen. And then in Acts chapter 2, it happened just as he told them it was. The Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all, everybody in this room say they were all. Not one of them, not just 12 of them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that, my friend, was the beginning of the apostolic church. It was prophesied by Jesus and by the prophets. It was told that this was what was going to happen, and suddenly we find it happening in Acts chapter 2. The early believers were Holy Ghost baptized, now hear me closely. And for them, it was not some theological belief. It was a life-altering experience that they encountered with God. God literally transformed 120 people in the upper room. And then, of course, we know that on that same day, 3,000 people received the baptism of the Spirit of the, of the Lord. Believers Believers were sent as fiery missionaries who spread the gospel throughout the world and throughout the country that they were living in at whatever cost, at whatever cost. Some, some were, were uh, even lost their lives and were martyred because of the truth of God that they carried to their world. So tonight we want to look at a little bit closer at the empowering baptism of the Holy Ghost in the early church. I want to tell you they didn't do it by themselves. They did it because the Holy Ghost came on them. Jesus said when this Holy Ghost experience comes, you're going to receive power. Somebody say power. I want to tell you that's exactly what happened to the early church. What could transform a small group of believers and followers of Jesus into world changers? Let me tell you what it was. It's not, it's, not in just, it's not in just theological positions or 
philosophy or, or, or some preacher that was good. It was because they were literally empowered by the Holy Ghost that came to live not upon them but in them. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Jesus had spent 40 days upon the earth after his resurrection and he appeared to them. I love the stories when Jesus appeared to those uh, after his resurrection. I think the first two was the, the guys that were on the road to uh, Emmaus when, when suddenly Jesus is with them and they don't, they don't even understand and recognize who he is and, and they're talking and they're talking about the crucifixion and they're talking about how, how that Jesus died on the cross and, and suddenly uh, when they had reached a place and he sat down to sup with them and, and they realized who he was, he disappeared. And then I preached a few services ago about how that Thomas, Thomas didn't believe because he couldn't see and how Jesus appeared in the room without opening the door. He just was there. He was in a glorified body. Forty days uh, after the resurrection, he spent time making his disciples and the believers understand who he was and what he was about to do. If the world was going to know the message of Jesus, he said they're going to know it through you. I'm going to make you my witnesses. I'm going to give you the power to be a witness in Judea and Samaria and all over the world. I'm going to let you be the witness of what I am about and what I'm going to do. And in those 40 days, Jesus opened their eyes and the Bible literally said in Luke 24, then opened he their understanding. They understood who he was, the prophecies of him in Moses and in the Psalms and the things that he was about to do. And Jesus pointed his disciples to this. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. I want you to go wait. Luke 24, 49, in the last thing that Jesus said to the believers of that day, he said, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The King James translation said, Until you are endued with power from on high. In other words, I'm going to come on you and I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to baptize you and I'm going to bless you and this is not going to be an ordinary thing. Let me tell you something, folks. The Holy Ghost is not an ordinary thing. The Holy Ghost is a power like no other. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ said, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And in order to fulfill the purpose of the cross and the things that Jesus died for. These disciples and believers were going to receive an experience with God. I told someone one time, I was, I was talking with them and they were denying that the Holy Ghost was for, for uh, people in, in, in our day. I want to tell you the Holy Ghost is for everybody. But I want to tell you what he said. He said the Holy Ghost is not. That was only for the 12 apostles. And here's what I said. You have come with an argument. I have come with an experience. And I want to tell you that an experience will go way further than an argument. I know what God did for me. I know what I received when I got him as a baptism in my life. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. 
So Jesus left his disciples with unmistakable last directive. It wasn't go to all the world, not yet. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there until you receive the promise of the Father. Now, John had talked about it, John the Baptist. He said, I'm going to baptize you in water, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost in fire. You can find you can find the prophecies of what was about to happen. In Acts 1 and 3, in Acts 1 and 3, the Bible said he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. The King James Version said by many infallible proofs. By many proofs. And appearing unto them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Watch close now. In verse 4, he said, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard it from me. From John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. And then verse 8 which we've already read, where he said, you're going to be witnesses when you get this power that I'm going to give you. So everything Jesus did on the cross pointed to the promise of the Holy Ghost that would happen on the day of Pentecost. Nobody had received the Holy Ghost before the day of Pentecost except, I'm because I'm some of you is going to come ask me, who, who got the Holy Ghost before the day of Pentecost? John the Baptist, because the Bible said he was with the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Ghost was with him from his birth, from his mother's womb. Amen? So, but everybody else received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Amen? Now, I read it to you already in our beginning remarks, what happened in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So the early church was a, and I want you to say this with me, a spirit-filled church. Come on, I want you to say it, a spirit-filled church. I want to I tell you the difference between a spirit-filled church and a non-spirit-filled church. A whole lot. Because I've had people walk in here and say, whoo, I just like what I feel. It's not me. And it's not you. And it's not you. It's him. When you get the Holy Ghost moving in the church. Let me tell you what we can't do without. We can have good music. We can have good preaching. We can have good ushers. We can have good host and hostess. We can have great youth department. We can have a good kids ministry. We can have ladies ministries and men's ministries. But I'm going to tell you, all that's good, but ain't none of it nothing without the Holy Ghost. And I know that's not proper English, but I just throwed it out there at you. I want to tell you, nothing works without the Holy Ghost. We must have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. What I need, I'm just confessing tonight, what you need, what we all need is a baptism, a new baptism, a fresh baptism. Thank you, Gary, for sending me a text in the middle of the night. I was awake, by the way. But he talked about repentance, and he said we need to repent. Oh, yes, we do. We need to go back to our first works and repent of our sins and be filled again with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It'll remove the things out of your life that should not be there. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. The early church was a spirit-filled church. It was born on the day of Pentecost. It was born with fire. The Bible said cloven tongues like as fire set upon each of them. And they were all filled. They all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit 
gave the utterance. It transformed them. It was life-changing. They weren't the same as they used to be. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost will do. It'll do more for you than any medicine you can take. It'll change your mind. It will change your heart. It will change your attitude. It will change your friends. It will change your lifestyle. It will change everything about you. The Holy Ghost will empower you to be a winner, and the Holy Ghost will empower you to be a witness. Does anybody believe what I'm saying here tonight? In Acts 2, they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke with tongues. In Acts, uh, let me just back up a minute. Let me back. The the Holy Ghost wasn't a one-time experience. I got to debating a guy for six hours one day. And and he, I won't tell you what church he was from, but he said only the 12 received the Holy Ghost. That I don't tell you. He said only the 12 got the Holy Ghost. I said, that's not true. What about the people in Acts chapter 10? He said, Oh, that was a different experience. He was trying to tell me that being filled with the Holy Ghost and being baptized with the Holy Ghost were not synonymous terms in the Scripture. Well, I, you know, I just, I, I, I went along with him for a while, and suddenly, and suddenly, I took him to Acts chapter 11. And I'll read that to you because Paul said, he said, as I began, or excuse me, Peter said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as up on us at the beginning. And then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If I therefore, God gave, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So what, what I'm telling you is the Holy Ghost wasn't just on the day of Pentecost. They got the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 8. They received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 10. They received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 2, the Jews received the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost. You know what Samaritans were? They were half-breeds. They were half-Jews and half-Gentiles. So God just reached and got the middle. In Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost at Cornelius' house. So you got the Jews and the Gentiles and the in-betweens, the mixed-breeds, He didn't leave anybody out, did he? And guess what? Then he came along and he just showed us in Acts chapter 19 that every believer receives the Holy Ghost if you believe as the Scripture has said. Watch this. Watch this. In Acts chapter 19, Paul, having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, he asked the question, you know this. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, how then were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. Well, John baptized, he said, John baptized under repentance, saying that you should believe on him that's going to come after him. And, And Acts chapter 19 said, then Paul laid hands on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spake in tongues and prophesied. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that if God did it in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 
Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19 that God wants to do it in the 21st century church. That's why we preach the Holy Ghost in this church. And let me tell you what happens on a good Sunday morning worship or a good Wednesday night worship. When we start worshiping God, we lose ourselves, and the Holy Ghost comes in this place. The Holy Ghost can draw people. The Holy Ghost can move people. The Holy Ghost can shake people. I believe that everybody ought to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody believe that with me? I, I want it. I want more of it. Somebody said, why do I have to have it? It's not that I, look, why would we want to use the term have to have it? Why would anybody not want it? I got in trouble one time for calling the Holy Ghost it, saying it. One lady got really upset with me, said he's a he. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you because the Holy Ghost is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But the Spirit of God, it's not, a, it's not a, another God. It's the same God. Paul said it's Christ in you. And I'll, I'll show you that in just a few minutes. So, so what happened? What happened? The Holy Ghost fell in every place that the disciples went and the apostles went. Everywhere they went. Decades later, Paul picked up the pen and wrote to the Corinthian church, 50,000 strong at that time. And this is what he said. For by one spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one spirit, and that if you notice that spirit is a, in a capital. When he's talking about the Holy Ghost, the Bible does, it always uses a capital. You know why? You know why? Because that's a proper now. That's a proper now. One spirit, we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. And Paul echoed the words of Peter in Acts 11 when he explained to the events around the Gentile outpouring at Cornelius' house to his Jewish brethren. He, he told them what Peter told them. It's not a different experience. It's the same experience. The early believers had a unifying experience of receiving the promise of the Holy Ghost. The baptism, of, if you want to call it, the baptism or the infilling or the indwelling with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Let me tell you, I want to preach a little bit here tonight. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Tongues is only a sign. Just hear me right now. Somebody said, tongues is the Holy Ghost. No, it's not. The Holy Ghost is, is the Spirit of God that comes inside of you. But it will cause you to speak in tongues. It will cause you to, it will cause you to speak in a language that glorifies God. Everybody say amen. So we don't come to this church seeking tongues. We come seeking the Holy Ghost. But when God gets a hold of us, boy, I love this. I love this. If you want to know why God chose tongues, you go read James chapter 3 because the Bible talks about the tongue as being the most unruly member of our body. Could I hear an amen? If you can control your tongue, brother, you can control anything. I didn't say that. That's in the book. A man that can control his tongue can be a perfect man. But let me tell you, we got trouble with our tongue. I don't want to get off chasing a rabbit here right now, but that's why the 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 writing of James said you put a bridle in the horse's mouth and you control the horse. You, you control the ship by the helm of the ship. 
it's just a little rudder that turns a ship. It may be, it may be slow, but it turns a ship. Everybody with me? So if, if a man can control his tongue, well, why did God choose tongues? Because it's the worst part of your body. It's worse than your brain. It's worse than your hands. It's worse than your feet. I lost some of you, didn't I? Your tongue, don't tell me it's not. It is, too. It's mine, too. It's yours. How many of you wish before that when your tongue spoke something out that you could grab it and shove it back in there and it wouldn't have been said, huh? Anybody like that besides me? There's a few things that come out and I say, oh, no. Matter of fact, I... I <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. I, I, I just got frustrated today with, with, with people. It's frustrated. My wife was in the car, and I was just, you know, I was, this tongue was going. And she started to get out and go back to work for lunch. I said, obviously, I got to go pray. I'm human. You're human. Anybody ever get in front of you and slow down about 20 miles an hour? And you're going, and there's words bouncing off the windows. Oh, no, surely y'all don't do that. Huh? It's just a good thing everybody can't hear everything, isn't it? You could be like the, <laughs> I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting sidetracked here, but you could be like that, that guy that was trying to crank his lawnmower. You know, Dub, you told me about that trying to crank his lawnmower, and, and he couldn't get it cranked. He's a preacher, and he couldn't get it cranked, and the neighbor went over and said, Sir, you may have to crank that lawnmower. He said, Yeah, if you don't mind. And uh, he cranked time two, pulled it time two, didn't do anything. He kicked that thing, cussed it, and reached down, grabbed it, and it, it cranked right up. And that preacher said, <laughs> said My goodness, said, I, 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 I don't. I don't cuss, you know, I, I, just, I just don't do that. And that guy said, you fool this lawnmower very long, it'll come back to you, preacher. So, so you know, you, you got to be careful with your tongue. Your tongue will get away from you. Your tongue will get you in trouble. So God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take tongues. I'm going to take tongues. You go read the scriptures and figure it out. You find out that when people spoke in tongues, they speak a language that God understands. The Bible said that men, there are different kinds of tongues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's the gift of tongues. But there's also the tongues that is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Spirit are not necessarily exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. Here's why I know that. You can't have the gifts of the Spirit and until you have the spirit. It's like the mules of John Brown. The mules of John Brown are the mules of John Brown because he owns them. But the gifts of the spirit are the spirit's gifts. And when you get the gifts of the spirit, you can operate in the gifts. I'm going somewhere here tonight. So I'm just telling you on this night that tongues is it's not some mysterious thing that you God's going to knock you in the middle of the floor and grab your tongue and flap it back that's not going to happen but when you get to the place of prayer where the holy ghost is is coming up like a river of living water the bible speaks in the old testament and said with stammering lips and another tongue will i speak to this people for this is the rest wherewith you shall cause the weary to rest and then Jesus comes along and says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
That's what rest it is. It's the rest that comes with the stammering lips and another tongue. It's a Holy Ghost experience that God will give you. And when he gives it to you, you'll speak in that heavenly language that nobody understands but you and God. You say, oh, they understood in the day of Pentecost. You're exactly right. And that's why I said there is an unknown tongue and then there is other tongues. Hear me now. There is an unknown tongue, the Bible said, where a man speaks directly to God. There is also other tongues where a man can speak and it may be something in another language because in the, in the second chapter of Acts, there were 16 nations represented that were talked about that heard them speak in their own language. And there, I want to tell you, this Holy Ghost experience is a miracle working power. You say, that don't happen anymore. Oh, yes, it does, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes, it does. I can tell you stories of people who have been in congregations and in churches when somebody received the Holy Ghost and spoke fluently in another language and there was somebody there from that language that knew it that said, hey, do they know that language? No. Well, they were speaking fluently. What were they saying? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You don't believe that. Some of you don't believe that. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's the power of the Holy Ghost that the church is looking for. Somebody shout amen. Three things. I got to quickly hurry. I got 12 minutes and I'll finish. Three things. There's three things the Spirit does for the believer. The Holy Ghost will do for us. Number one, and this is on your little sheet, the Spirit adopts us. The Spirit adopts us. Some people say you don't need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven Romans 8 says you're without the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. What the Bible said. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we are adopted into the family of God. The Bible said Paul called it the spirit of adoption, whereby we call him Abba Father, a term that means closeness. In Romans 8, 15, watch this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 16th verse, the Spirit itself bears witness of our spirit that we are the children of God. And verse 17 said, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So here are glorified together. The Bible said, the Bible said we are adopted into the kingdom of God. Everybody say adopted. Through the Spirit, the disciples became more than mere followers. They became sons of God, and they became a part of the family of God. Jesus had been there with them, but now the Spirit of adoption came, and he was living in them. Did you hear me? He was with them, but when the Spirit of adoption came, he came in them, and they became a part of him. They were now called the children of God, heirs to salvation, a part of the family of God. They had been baptized in the revealed name of God, and as a result, were within their rights to walk in the authority of God. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is both natural and necessary in the life of believers. I, would, I, don't know, I don't know why anybody would not want, if you've not received the Holy Ghost yet, I encourage you to seek God 
and just say, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. I want you to fill me with that experience pastor's talking about here tonight. I want to know that. I want to know. I've heard people that said, Lord, if it's real, you give it to me. And God did. He'll make a believer out of you. Amen. So, so let, I'm going to hurry. Colossians 1 and 12. Let me give you this. Giving thanks to the Father who hath qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So the Spirit qualifies us to inherit the kingdom. And Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So the spirit adopts us. That's number one. The second thing the Holy Ghost does, the spirit empowers us. That's what we're talking about tonight. The spirit of the Lord comes upon us and it's a transformation in our lives. It empowers us. It is our helper. It is our paraclete. It is our comforter. It is our counselor. It is the spirit of God that lives in us. Makes a difference in our life. How many of you can testify to that? The spirit of God makes a difference in our life. It makes a difference. Before the baptism, you see, I guess the greatest way to, to look at this with the disciples before and after, before the Holy Ghost came, the apostles were given understanding by Jesus. They gathered together to pray. They appointed a new disciple. They were faithful and obedient to Jesus' instruction, and everything that happened was among themselves. That was before. But after they received the Holy Ghost, they preached publicly under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They were divinely inspired to write the words of the New Testament. And all but three of, of the epistles were written during the time period of the book of Acts. Did you hear me? All but three epistles were written in the time period of the book of Acts. They were sent by the Holy Ghost to share the gospel on, on their missionary journeys. And they performed miracles of healing and deliverance by the power of the Holy Ghost. They answered culture and kings by the power of the Spirit. Look at what happened in, with uh, Stephen. Look at what happened to Paul on Mars Hill. Look at what ha happened to Paul before Felix, the governor, and Agrippa, the king. Look at what happened. The baptism of the Holy Ghost was transformational in the lives of the apostles. It took all that they had received from God by the, the Spirit working in them and through them and launched them into a world of apostolic revival. The church, this is in your notes, the church turned the world upside down because the Holy Ghost or the Spirit turned the church inside out. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. It'll make you love everybody. It'll make you forgive everybody. It'll make you walk right. It'll make you even spit white. Hello, the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you shall receive power. Thank God for that empowerment of the Holy Ghost. I'm hurrying. So the Holy Ghost empowers us to do what? To speak the word of God boldly, Acts 4.31. To pray in the Holy Ghost. To pray, Romans 8, 26 and 27 to pray in the Spirit, to receive spiritual revelation and understanding. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. I'm not reading all of them. I'm just going to let you go there. We have access to power, access to revelation, access to wisdom from the Holy Ghost dwelling in us. When I pray, 
for any service, when I prayed for this service, when I knelt behind my desk today to pray and put my head in my chair, I said, Lord, I need the power of the Holy Ghost here today. I need anointing in my life. The Holy Ghost can give me wisdom and direction, and the Holy Ghost will do that. And let me tell you what else it will do. It will do what we cannot do. You can't do it with human hands. The Holy Spirit of God can do it through you with just a flash and just a moment, with a snap of your finger, with the breath of God. He can do what we cannot do. The third thing the Holy Ghost does, he empowers us, yes, but he also indwells us. He indwells. He lives in me. I love it when Jesus told his disciples, he said, now I'm with you, but I'm about to be in you. He knew what he was talking about. This is why Paul said, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. He knew the Greek word for parakletos in the passage is translated helper in the ESV. It's translated advocate in the NIV, and it's translated counselor in the KJV. So, so all of these things are, are what Jesus is to us. Ladies and gentlemen, could I encourage this church, those of you watching online, those of you who are here in this congregation tonight, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a one-time experience. Somebody said, I got the Holy Ghost in 1965. You need it again. I didn't make you mad, did I? I need it again. We all need it again. The Bible said we're saved by the washing of regeneration. That's the first time. Somebody say that's the first time. The washing of regeneration and the renewing. The renewing. I don't know how long it's been, but you need a renewing because when you get a renewing, you get empowerment. I worry about people. Now, just just give, just bear with me in my folly as an old preacher now. I'll be 67 Friday. I'm old enough to say whatever I want to. Amen. Listen to me right now. I worry about people that don't go back to God over and over and over. I can answer only for me. I can't answer for you. But I worry about you if you don't go back and find a fresh anointing and a fresh experience with God. You need a personal revival. You know what a revival is? It's to revive something that once was alive that's now dead. So I need a revival. And you need a revival. And we need to go back every once in a while and just, we call it in Pentecostal circles, pray through. Does anybody know what pray through means? That means you pray past all your bitterness and you pray past all your gossip and you pray past all your feelings and you, you get all the junk out of your heart and you really repent all over again and suddenly you back down before the Lord and he's baptizing you with a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody in this room tonight that would like to have a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and for God to indwell us? Just come live inside of me. Just come dwell inside of me. God, it's not a one-time God or a one-time experience in your life. You can get God over. I love my little granddaughter. When she was just a little, she, she'd say, I went down and got the Holy Ghost again tonight, Papa. I went down and over and over, she said, I went down and got the Holy Ghost again. I'd say, baby, you just keep going. You just keep getting the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is not a one-time experience. It's something that needs to happen over and over in our lives. And it will keep us empowered 
and it will keep us indwelled. Amen? And it will keep us doing what God wants us to do. God never called us to do a mission that he didn't equip us for it. And he called us to reach the world. And we're going to reach the world. We're going to become witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and the uttermost. We're living in the uttermost. The uttermost part of the world. And when we live here, we have to be empowered by him. So let it go viral. The church of the 21st century need to become the church of the first century. I'll close with this thought. Every book, every chapter in the book of Acts, or excuse me, let me back up. Every book in the New Testament, epistles, every epistle, every book was written with an amen. Go look at it. When the writer got through, he said amen. You know what amen means? So be it. I'm finished. It's over. Amen. You know what we say when we get through praying? What do we say? What do you say when you pray for a prayer at, at lunch? When we pray here in this church, amen. You know what the book of Acts did? Go check it out. It's the first sermon I preached in 1989 when I came to this church, Brother Roy. The first Sunday I was here, I preached a church of the book of Acts because it's a church with no amen. There's no ending to what God wants to do. Stand all over this house. Amen. If Acts is the book with no amen, the 21st century church has to be the book with no amen or the church with no amen. And what we have to do is continue what God set out to do. We are his children. We are his people. And he said, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Ghost. I encourage you today. I wish God would send such a bombshell of the Holy Ghost upon this church that everything in this building would talk in tongues. Everything in this building would feel the shaking and the anointing and the power of God again. I encourage you to seek him. I encourage you to look for him. Amen. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the holy name of Jesus, hear my words tonight. Lord, you know that I've spoken the heart of God. I've spoken from the Word of God, and I'm preaching to these wonderful people. What we need, Lord, is the apostolic message to go viral again, as it did in that first century church. Let it spread across our city, spread across our nation, spread across our world. Lord, send us an old-fashioned baptism and empowering of the Holy Ghost in our life. We need it. We want it. We ask you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Why don't we just clap our hands and being dismissed here right now? Come on. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise for his word. Thank you for being with us on a Wednesday night. My, it's good to see. Y'all don't know how, how bad it is to preach to empty pews. I'm so glad to see faces, even if it's your face. I'm so glad to see you. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful week. Be back Sunday to worship God. Have a great time of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Don't forget the offering. The usher will be right here in front.